0: Good morning. Good morning. It's good to be with you all this morning. Uh, In case you didn't notice, there's a new floor. (laughs) You probably noticed it when you walked in because your feet were walking across this beautiful new floor, which is great. Uh, It is a hard floor versus carpet, so of course that's going to make our acoustics a little different. However, uh, Randy and I have talked and he has a plan in place uh, for, soon, there to be some kind of either artwork or panels that help kind of dampen that echo effect. So we'll just do our best to sing amidst the echoes, uh, but it's good to see these floors and they're very beautiful, of course. Uh, just a couple of brief announcements. This week, normally, on Thursday, it would or Friday I should say, it would be the first Friday of August, I would do my philosophy class. However, I am going to be out of town. And so it's been pushed back a couple weeks to later in August. So just keep your eyes open on the activities calendars. I've been working with uh, Steve and Ann to make sure that the philosophy class still happens in August. Uh, That'll be a few weeks later than normal. And next week, uh, I will not be here for Sunday service, but Pastor John will be our substitute rotation pastor who comes in to preach for me. Uh, so, next Sunday is the first Sunday of August, and Pastor John will be with you to celebrate communion and to officiate the service here as per usual. We're going to begin. Oh, also, I suppose I should not mention <laughs> we don't have an organist or a pianist today. We did have someone scheduled, uh, but something came up last minute and so they were unable to attend to this this morning. So fear not, because I have four hymns that I am really confident I know the tune to, and I'm really excited because when you guys sing a cappella, you do a phenomenal job. So I'm looking forward to us joining in song together for the four hymns that we'll sing today. Uh, so we're going to get into it by beginning with our first hymn. A classic of Lutheran tradition, written by Martin Luther himself, "A Mighty Fortress Is Our God." A mighty fortress is our. Lord God, lay off His name, come age to age the same, and He must win the battle. Well done. <laughs> we gather together today in the presence of God. We seek to serve the a mind. We are called to His purpose. For creation, we from the love of God, we worship God together. Beloved and sovereign God, through the death and resurrection of Your Son, You bring us into Your kingdom of justice and mercy. By your Spirit, give us your wisdom. That we may strengthen the life that comes from Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. And now for our first reading of Scripture. Hmm.
1: First Scriptures from 1 Kings, chapter 3, verses 5 to 12. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I should give you. And Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant, my father David. Because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart towards you, and you have kept for him this great and steadfast love, and have given him a son to sit on his throne today. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. Although I am only a child, a little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of the father whom you have chosen. A great people, so numerous they cannot be numbered or counted. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, able to discern between good and evil. For who can govern this your great people? It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this, God said to him, Because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches, or for the life of your enemies, But have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right. I now do according to your word. Indeed, I give you a wise and discerning mind. No one like you have been before you, and no one like you shall rise after you. The word of our Lord.
0: Our lectionary song for today is Psalm 119, 129 to 136, and we'll be reading it responsibly. Your decrees are wonderful, therefore my soul keeps them. in With open mouth I can because I long for your commandments. Turn to me, and is your love your keep my steps steady according to your promise and never let an iniquity have dominion over me. Redeem me from evil, that I may keep your precepts. Make your face shine upon your servant and teach me your statutes. Redeem And now for our next hymn, Oh, for a thousand times to sing, although maybe it's more like 25 to 30. (laughs) Nevertheless, we will sing with gusto. Oh, for a thousand times to sing my great beginner's praise, the glories of my God and King, the of His grace. My gracious pastor and my God assist me to proclaim to this through all the earth of in the honors of your name. Jesus Jesus, the name that charms our fears, that fits our sorrow's peace. Tis music in the sinner's tears, tis life and health and peace. To God, glory, praise and love, be now and ever given. By saints below and saints above the, the church in earth and heaven. Our second reading of Scripture in the New Testament comes from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 8, verses 26 through 39. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, but we do not know how to pray as we ought. But that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn within a large family. And those whom he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, as it is written, For your sake we are being killed all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The word of our Lord. Praise the Holy Gospel, according to Matthew, the thirteenth chapter. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds. But when it has grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour, until all of it was leavened. The kingdom of heaven is like tre- treasure hidden in a field, which someone found and hid, then in his joy, He goes and sells all that he had and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and caught fish of every kind. When it was full, they drew it ashore, sat down, and put the good into baskets, but threw out the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all this? They answered yes. And he said to them, Therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a household who brings out his treasure, brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. The gospel of our Lord. There's a scene in the epic story of the Lord of the Rings, where two characters are talking. If you're not familiar with the story of the Lord of the Rings, it was a large fantasy series uh, written by J.R.R. R. Tolkien uh, in the mid-1900s. I actually wrote it over a long period of time, it's a very large story, and there are all these different parts to the story. And it was made into movies, and there are very uh, fabulous movies to watch if you want to get the stories as well. At one point in the Lord of the Rings story, there are two characters having a conversation, and one of them is named Frodo, and the other one is Gandalf. Frodo is a hobbit, and in Tolkien's world, hobbits are very, very short people who live underground, basically three feet tall or less, and they live a very simple life of gardening and agriculture. And like I said, they have hobbit holes in the ground. Gandalf is a wizard. And in this world of fantasy that Tolkien has created, Gandalf is one of the most powerful characters in the entire world. And in addition to being powerful because of his magic and his capabilities, he's also very wise. And so, during the conversation that these 2 are having, Gandalf responds to something Frodo says, and he says, Even the wisest cannot see all ends. Even the wisest cannot see all ends. And when I first heard this line, when reading the story, and while watching the movie, I found myself intrigued. It was a very potent line, a very powerful wisdom statement to make. And I think the reason that it intrigued me so much is that Gandalf is one of the wisest characters in the entire world in this fantasy novel, and in his wisdom, he knows he has limitations. He knows he doesn't know everything. Wisdom is an essential topic for the spiritual journey. It's a thoroughly addressed topic throughout the scriptures, and there are several books in the Old Testament that we refer to as the wisdom literature. Psalms, Proverbs, Song of Solomon, Job, and Ecclesiastes, these are called the wisdom books of the Bible. Of course, the wisdom of the Bible, or wisdom as a topic, is not limited to just these five books. There's wisdom to be found all over the place in the Scriptures. And among our lectionary texts for today, we read read a brief excerpt from the story of King Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 3. Solomon is regarded as one of the wisest characters in all of the Bible, if not in all of human history. In this text, we read the story of God meeting Solomon in a dream. But before we get to the content of his dream, first we need a little bit of backstory. Israel's first king was Saul, and he had some successes, but more often than not made some pretty hefty mistakes. In the process of choosing a new king, God leads the prophet Samuel to a shepherd boy named David, and David's reign is marked by much more success, but as is the case with pesky human beings, more mistakes were made. One of the more devastating mistakes that David made was to commit adultery with Bathsheba, the wife of another man. And then sent her husband into battle most surely so he would die in order to cover up his wrongdoing. So, infidelity and murder is not a good look. Eventually, Bathsheba has another son, named Solomon, who becomes David's heir to the throne. And that is roughly where we pick up in 1 Kings 3. God visits Solomon in a dream. And in that dream, they have this profound conversation. God begins this dream encounter with a bold statement. Ask what I should give you. Wow! God (laughs) just asks me what I want? What a question! In case you missed it, that is a radically profound question. God is asking Solomon to reveal his desires. And that's not an insignificant request. Our desires speak to the state of our soul, the core of our being, the structure and the content of our hearts. When we articulate, when we speak a desire, it's coming from somewhere deep down inside. And to ask someone else what they want, what they desire, it's a big deal. Not just because the person has to be vulnerable and willing to share what they want, but also because what they share about their desire will reveal some deep truth about what's going on in their heart and soul. I've wondered about this story. I've wondered if this was some kind of a test, a way for God to invite Solomon to reveal himself. And there are a few places as intimate and as close as meeting someone in their own dreams, right? You're, you know it's just you and him. and No one can overhear the conversation. The question is, that God asks is deep, the location of the conversation is profound, and Solomon's answer does not disappoint. Solomon's response is three verses long, and it is dripping with humility, transparency, and reverence for God's power and for God's providence. Solomon recognizes all that God has done for his father David, all that God has done for God's people, and Solomon recognizes the weight of the role he now has as the king of Israel. In verse 10, the author states, it pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked for wisdom, for that discerning mind. The remaining verses go on to reveal why God is pleased with that response. but. Something got my imagination wheels turning. What if Solomon had asked for something else? Give me mountains of gold. Give me an unbeatable army. Give me a castle the size of a city. Give me the power to overcome all challenges. Give me the ability to travel in time. Give me the ability to travel to every century of human history find their best dessert, bring it back to my time in history, and make all the best desserts from every era. Solomon could have asked for that. Especially ice cream. You see, there were literally billions of things Solomon could have asked of God. But when he took a look around and surveyed the responsibility of leading a nation, when he noticed the gifts and graces God had given his Father, when he saw how much power he already had, he knew that in his heart, he wanted to be able to do this job well. He knew that in order to do such a job well, he would need wisdom. Wisdom. Ironically, though, Solomon reveals that he already has a fair amount. To ask for wisdom may be the wisest thing anyone could ever do. In the New Testament letter of James, the author says, If any of you is lacking in wisdom, ask God who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to you. Did you know that wisdom is free? You don't have to pay for it. All we got to do is ask and it will be given freely. Solomon asks for wisdom, and God answers that prayer. Now, it's true that Solomon asked for wisdom, and God gave him a whole lot more in addition, right? God says, you asked for this, and I'm going to give it to you, because that pleases me that you asked for that. But in addition, I'm going to give you these, too, the things you didn't ask for. Wealth, power, and prestige, But this is not a formula, so we have to recognize that we can ask God for wisdom, but we can't assume that we're also going to get all the things that Solomon got, in addition to what he asked for. His journey and our journeys will all be different. But the common denominator is that when we ask God for wisdom, he will give it. He will give it. That is the nature of the spiritual journey. There may be common themes and invitations and events, but no two spiritual journeys are alike for any one of us. And while we may ask for wisdom and get wisdom like Solomon did, our story will be different than his, my story will be different than yours. But we can lean into the promise of Solomon's story that if we ask for wisdom, as he did, and we ask with genuine humility and open heart, God will answer that prayer and help us to grow in wisdom. Wisdom is an absolutely beautiful and powerful gift. Wisdom includes knowledge and intellect, but it goes way beyond that to practical life, how we live, what kind of character we have. Wisdom is not necessarily the same thing as being smart or clever or intelligent. Those can be sister traits of a wise person, But a wise person can also be uneducated and appear simple on the surface. Wisdom is where humility, listening, and learning, and truth, these all intersect. And there are some crazy, freaking, smart people in the world today who are really not that wise. There are some people in the world today who we would overlook and dismiss and walk past, never give a second thought to, who carry a mountain of wisdom around with them in their heart and soul. So, how do we grow in wisdom as readers of this story? We can, of course, do exactly what Solomon does and ask for wisdom that's confirmed both by his story and the letter of James in the New Testament, we're invited to ask for wisdom, and God will give it. Great place to begin. And then, to ask for wisdom will reveal our humility, our humble heart, our desire to learn. And in addition to asking God for wisdom, we can learn from wise people. We can lean into the character traits that facilitate wisdom. So I want to give you a few of those this morning. First of all, wise people are really, really good listeners. Really good listeners. I have known some profoundly wise people in my life, and I can say with certainty that each and every one of them has been quick to listen and slow to speak. Every one of the wise people that I've known has been quick to listen and slow to speak. That quick listening part is the observation that I want to point out today. What's the relationship, you say, between wisdom and listening? Well, it boils down to the fact that wise people know they don't know everything. Wise people know they don't know everything. It's in their humility and their openness that they find themselves listening more than talking. Listening more than talking. So one great way, if you can, grow in wisdom is by practicing listening more than you speak. It's a practice of humility. Even when we encounter people who rub us the wrong way, or whose personality grates against ours, or who we just don't like, listening works wonders. Listening is a gateway into wisdom. And one key place where listening is needed is in our relationship to God. I wonder what would happen, it's just me being kind of weird and crazy and thinking out loud, I wonder what would happen if every Christian on earth took just 10 minutes each day to intentionally listen to God in silence. Because I know not all of us do this. But what if every Christian on earth for 10 minutes a day just listened in silence for God's voice. Didn't say anything, didn't speak, but waited in silence for God. I have a feeling there would be a lot more things different about the church and about how we interact with one another if we practice listening to God and let that shape our listening in every other aspect. The second thing about wise people that we can learn and grow in is that wise people are lifelong learners. Lifelong learners. When given an opportunity to ask for anything he could ever want, Solomon responded with a request to learn, to get a wise and discerning mind with the ability to discern good from evil. He asked for the mind of a student someone willing to learn. Jesus handpicked 12 people to follow him as disciples. A disciple is literally just a student. They have a teacher, and they're in a relationship of learning. Every one of us has the opportunity to continue to learn something. There's still lessons to learn. It doesn't matter how old you are. You haven't learned it all yet. And I'm not just talking about Science which I think is really fun and cool and interesting to learn about. not just talking about facts and trivia. I'm talking about being students of life. Learning about how to live well today. Learning about how to love my neighbors. Learning about how to love the Sunday new staff. Learning about how to love my family. Learning about how to be a better, more whole, more gentle, more kind human being. Each of us has more to learn. And this learning doesn't require reading, although reading may help. And this learning doesn't require homework. Uh, Well, maybe it's pretty much homework all day, every day. This is the learning that the disciples did. When they followed Jesus everywhere He went, they asked questions, and they modeled their life and behavior after Him. That's how they learned. It was constant, it was all day paying attention to God walking around in front of them, asking questions, learning, listening, following, doing. Third and final thing that I want to share about wise people is that wise people know the power and value of love. Wise people know the power and value of love. Love is the most powerful and transformative force in the universe, Sometimes it may not feel like it when we watch the news, see how people treat one another, how they speak to each other, how they hate each other. But if what Scripture says is true, in 1 John 4, it says God is love, then love is the most powerful, un- the most powerful force in the universe. Love is the power to transform enemies into friends. Love is the power to bring life from death Love has the power to shatter walls between individuals, groups, and entire nations. Love has the power to break hard hearts and make them soft. Wise people know the power and the value of love. And so they seek to learn all they can about it. They seek to live in it. They seek to give it away. At one point in the Gospels, Jesus says, Wisdom is vindicated by her deeds, meaning wisdom is evident in action. It's not just something up here in your head. Wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. It's proven by actions. And there's no more potent display of a wise person than through the way and the magnitude of their love for God and other people. In our New Testament lectionary text that we read earlier from Romans 8, Paul says this No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I think that is one of my absolute favorite passages of Scripture. Paul is, of course, caught up in the passion of describing the love of God to the Roman Church. But as you read it, you can't help but speed up and get louder. Maybe you noticed as I was reading it. <laughs> the passion of the, of the passage is what gets me every time. Paul just starts writing and it's flowing through his pen. And he, says, he can't help but get excited about the power of love. And my friends... That's at the heart of the wisdom journey. God loves you. God loves me. God loves everyone equally. And God has infinite and limitless wisdom. All we need to do is ask. We can identify wisdom when we see it in the world. The question is, will we ask for it and seek it and learn about it? The choice is ours. Amen. Amen. Amen? Amen. As we continue our service, we're going to sing our next hymn, God of Grace and God of Glory. <clears throat> God of grace and God of glory All your people And church and his story bring its love to glorious life. Grant us wisdom, grant us courage for the facing of the hour. Wisdom, breath of church, you we adore, you we And now for our reading of our Confession of Faith, the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, you will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now we will receive our offerings. Praise God, from whom all blessings flow. Praise God, all creatures here below. Praise Him, God, the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son. our gifts to live in me. Amen. As we do each week, we reserve time in our service to pray, and I want to acknowledge each time we do this that when we gather for worship, we come with prayer requests, things that weigh heavy on our own hearts and minds, and those may be things that are for you yourself, you may be going through something in your own life journey that you would like us to pray for. It could be that you are weighed down by a need or a prayer for someone else. Maybe there's a friend, a family member, an acquaintance who you're praying for because of something they're going on uh, going through in their own life. And additionally, beyond our stuff and those of the things that w- for those we care about, there are the global issues that face our whole world that can weigh heavy on our hearts and minds as well. And so regardless of whatever those may be, I want to invite you that if you would like us to pray for something this morning, you can indicate that by raising your hand at this time okay let's pray father son and holy spirit we thank you for your grace your love your vast wisdom many of us in this room have raised our hands indicating that we have prayer requests things that weigh heavy on us things that we are continuing to pray for and for those of us, Lord, who are praying for things we are going to, we ask for your faithful provision. We ask for hope, comfort, encouragement, grace, and peace. Lord, we pray for those of us who are lifting our hands up on behalf of loved ones in our lives, friends, family members, and neighbors, maybe near, maybe distant. We pray for those prayer requests, Lord. We lift them up to you. We ask that you meet needs, that you speak truth, and bless and carry love into every one of those situations and Lord for those of us raising our hands for global issues, big things that face our whole world we pray for peace around the world we pray for hope for the future we pray for healing of nations we pray Lord for ceasing of conflict we pray Lord for all those issues that you would be at work, that you would equip your church to be a beacon of light and love And we thank you, Lord, that in every one of our prayers, we know and believe that you hear us. You are near. You are not distant. You are active, not complacent. You are with us. So remind us of that truth. Give us faith to trust you as we lay these requests at your feet and as we entrust them to your care. We thank you, Lord, that you have heard each and every one of our prayers. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And together we pray the prayer Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And now for our closing hymn, Immortal, Invisible, God Only Wise. <clears throat> Immortal, invisible, God Only Wise, in Almighty. Inaccessible, hear from our eyes. Most blessed, most glorious, the ancient of days. Almighty, victorious, thy great name we praise. Unresting, unhasting, and silent as life. Nor wanting, nor wasting, thou rulest in might, thy justice, my fountains high soaring above, thy clouds which are fountains of goodness and love to all life. Thou givest to both great and small in all his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. Go in peace, serve the Lord. And you're all invited to join us for food and fellowship in the Plum Room following the service.